What's going on, guys? Zach from Wrestling Ministries Podcast here. Welcome to episode 202 of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Friday evening, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Yes, I'm in a very good mood today. Not because it's Friday, I got paid, all that good stuff. That's that's beside the point. Um, I My mental health um, over the last couple of days has gotten a lot better. Um, I hope you guys did check out um, episode 201, Innuendos Galore, um, discussing how I felt uh, through this entire uh, seven weeks of Plandemic. I said it, and I'll say it again. Plandemic. Um, you know, just explaining, especially how I felt. Talk about the Washington Post article about the mental health. Um, I took, of course, actually that was Wednesday. My apologies. Um, took care of that, and now um, took two days. Took uh, two days off from my job. You know, got my mind right. Um, shout out to uh, King Ricky Rose for uh, helping me out through that entire process. Because honestly, if I didn't talk to him, I would be honestly in prison right now. Real shit. I would have literally. Uh, had you know to that also I want to thank my moms um, for like, telling me to take days off um, get my mind straight uh, we had a conversation as well um, I talked with Marley as well she didn't she wasn't much of uh, talking about the end um, but that's neither here nor there but um, yeah I am in a good mood um, I was in a good mood actually all day um, regardless of how uh, my job was actually acting all types of stupid because well coronavirus be damned but yes I am in a good mood and of course being a Friday I'm in a great fucking mood because now I have the weekend off um, yes I flexed on them and I got four out of the next five days off so yeah my job can suck it but uh, other than that y'all Friday now we got a pay-per-view to talk about and of course every Friday before we discuss AEW Dynamite and another installment of Light the Fuse we get to talk about money in the bank and um <laughs> money in the bank this is going to be what they are heralding as the most unique money in the bank in the history of WWE because for the first time ever all mem- all competitors in this year's men's and women's money in the bank will be uh, compete going through the seven floors of WWE headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut, and will try to attempt to climb the ladder and grab money in the bank. So, oh, before I get into my predictions, I want to kind of, as I always do with these uh, preview and predictions portions of the program, I kind of preview every. Uh, pay-per-view as best as I can to my to the best of my ability and um as I usually do uh just in case you are new to this uh here program and first and foremost thank you very much for taking time out of your day check out this this is your first go hey welcome to the clan welcome to the YOP universe uh we welcome you with open arms to introduce you to the corner and yes we do have regular and decaf coffee it ain't Starbucks trust me when I tell you food is good um <laughs> but let's talk about money in the bank for a moment before I make my uh, predictions on this shit to me personally, yes, this is going to be the most unique Money in the Bank pay-per-view in WWE's history. Um, Money in the Bank, to me, 
always has been the type of event or match rather that always really helped those who have won it ascend to the top of the card and made stars out of um, a lot of names. Well, not all, not all of them because, you know, every, you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, the history of Money in the Bank in and of itself started at WrestleMania. Um, it is one of the more special matches in my heart because I love Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank to me is one of the most um, intriguing matches. This is, I believe, if I remember correctly, um, this particular this particular match was actually invented by I don't I think it was Chris Jericho who actually invented this. Um, this is all on Chris Jericho. He was the I believe he was the first one to do it. If I'm wrong, let me know. Um, I want to make sure we are all right so we understand um, all this stuff. But usually, um, Money in the Bank. Like, the reason it's the most unique match of I believe all of the matches that we have in WWE is because. The winner of said match has a contract that guarantees them a match for the world championship of their choosing at any time within the next year or so. So between this Sunday and May 10th, 2021, they can cash in at any given time as they see fit and the title will be put on the line in that moment, um, which I love. Now, this has made stars out of you know guys like Edge, um, CM Punk, I believe uh, Dolph Ziggler as uh, a former World Heavyweight Champion because of it, um, and other guys like Damian Sandow, um, John Cena, Baron Corbin, I believe Braun Strowman, um, are the only four in history to have won the briefcase, to have won the Money in the Bank ladder match, and unfortunately not being able to cash in. Um, or should I say, uh, unable to um, get the reward of, you know, having said uh, Money in the Bank contract. So, yes, there is very, very big risk. And usually, for the most part, numbers-wise, it is the biggest reward ever. Because at that point, usually, with the no oh, according to the numbers, you have the best, you have a big chance to become world champion. Um, you know... I mean, of course, uh, for those of you who don't know, this debuted at WrestleMania 21 in 2005. Um, the match itself would be uh, taking place all over, you know, over the next five WrestleMania events. And me personally, this was probably the best time um, Money in the Bank actually had, you know, taken place. Um, this is one of my, like I said, one of my, one of my favorite concepts of a match, period. Like I said, um, with WrestleMania... You know, being that. Now, 2010 was when they started having their own pay-per-view. Me, personally, I'm not a big fan of the pay-per-view itself. I have never been a fan of a gimmick match pay-per-view. Um, never have, never will be. I felt it always deserved to be at WrestleMania. Because then, you know, it kind of helps in the storylines of things as well. Because at that point, you don't know which brand the Money in the Bank winner is going to. Now, of course, there are winners like The Miz, Kane, Alberto Del Rio, Daniel Bryan, John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, Randy Orton, Damian Sandow, Seth Rollins, Sheamus, Dean Ambrose, I'm sorry, John Moxley, 
Um, then we had the first ever women's Money in the Bank match. Carmella, Alexa Bliss, Bayley. And now we get into this year's women's matches. Of course, also Brock Lesnar. Yes, and we won't talk about that. Uh, Braun Strowman and, of course, Baron Corbin back in 2017. Failed attempt. They really fucked him over on that one. Uh, and fucked over John Cena for that matter, too. But we won't get into that. It's another story for another day. Um, but, again, this is one of those really unique matches. And this could really make someone's career. And it has made careers, you know. I guess, And, of course, it was created by Chris Jericho. This is all Chris Jericho's concept. He created this, and I think the concept was glorious. It was a beautiful thing. And I thank Chris Jericho for that. Um, but me personally, as of late, Money in the Bank as a standalone pay-per-view should not be a standalone pay-per-view. I will fight that to the end. Um, there is no reason why there should be a pay-per-view. I, I felt it always should have remained at WrestleMania. It always should have remained at WrestleMania because that was a marquee match of the night. Most of the time, it actually would be the first match of the night because it would actually go very long, um, somewhere along the lines of 30 to 40 minutes. And it was worth it because we got some banger-ass matches out of it, too. Um, but I felt Money in the Bank lost its way sometime around... I'd say, I'd say around 2017, when Carmella and Baron Corbin won their respective Money in the Bank matches. Um, now, this now the reason at this particular time, this was actually a SmackDown branded pay per view, and I believe it's the only pay per view that had Money in the Bank as a brand pay per view, which made no fucking sense to me because all mem members of both brands should be able to be involved in this matchup. Now, for 2020's version, yes, we get both. But, um, I don't know. I think it, it really has lost its way as of late. It, and honestly, um, you know, the last three winners, men's and women's, personally, I was not a fan of. Baron Corbin um, in 2017, wasn't a fan. Um, you had Braun Strowman winning in 2018, definitely wasn't a fan of that. And last year's, Money in the Bank winner was won by someone who wasn't even in the match until the last, I'd say, two to three minutes. That being Brock Lesnar being the eighth and final participant, no, seventh, my apologies, of the matchup. And this year is, of course, like I said, is the most unique of them all because they'll be going up the, climbing up the corporate ladder to get Money in the Bank. Both matches to me. I'd say right now for my money are the weakest I may have seen. I'm sure there are other ones that you may think is are weaker, but to me, the with money in the banks, men's and women's ladder matches, um, they just aren't up to snuff. They, 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 I mean, yes, you got names like Oscar, Baze, Tina Baszler, um, Daniel Bryan, Aleister Black and AJ Styles. But, you know, personally, this, this ain't it, Chief. And I understand, you know, coronavirus be damned. You know, we have, you know, to be this very unique in our um, in our approaches to the match itself. The rest of the card itself, I can honestly give a fuck less. I really do. This, this card 
I honestly don't care for it. I really don't care for it. Uh, I mean, just looking, I mean, looking up and down the six match card that we do have right now, um, Sands maybe a match or two possibly get, getting added to the card. I'm only going to be predicting what we have in front of us right now. So if you watch SmackDown tonight or whenever you listen to this, um, I will not be included anything if Sheamus and Jeff Hardy uh, possibly get into a little tiff. Um, I will not be uh, project- predicting that. I won't do it. I may put it as a um, a Twitter thing on my t- I put it on Twitter and do a prediction on that. But as far as what I have to go off of, I'm just predicting the six matches we have for this card as of right now, as of this recording. Whatever takes place after that, I'm gonna run with it, and that's and that's all I'm gonna do. I, of course, we always go for six. We always gun for uh, undefeated, but nine times out of ten. More often than not, I usually uh, take a huge L, and um, yeah, <laughs> so we're going to run with that. Um, but right here, right now, without further ado, let us delve into the predictions for this year's Money in the Bank. And honestly, I really don't fucking know where to start. I honestly don't know where to start, because for the life of me, I'm going to take a sip of water here, because I'm, I'm just there. This card is doo-doo. <laughs> this card sucks. I, I I mean, yes, there are a couple of good matches that I'll keep my... I mean, honestly, out of the entire card, when I'm looking at it, I maybe am interested in maybe two matches out of this entire card. Neither of them are the Money in the Bank ladder match. Usually, with the Money in the Bank ladder match, I'm always intrigued to see, man, you know, maybe this person can win it, this person can win it. I... I kind of have an idea who I want to win the the, the, the Money in the Bank ladder matches, but I have the strange feeling also that uh, we will all get it wrong. They'll give it to the one person we don't like, and then I'm and then I get to talk about it on Monday and shit all over it as per usual. Where to start? Well, let us start with what I think is going to be the weakest match on the card, and that's Bailey versus Tamina for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This match sucks. <laughs> I want no part of this. Uh, I don't even want Tamina in this. I really don't. Tamina, to me, um, was came in at the last minute at WrestleMania and just was just just chosen and all this shit. And it turned it into a somewhat decent storyline, um, which ain't saying much. Um, and you know, became this thing. Which all they're really doing is just delaying the inevitable and giving us Bailey versus Sasha Banks somewhere down the line, hopefully during the summer. I, for the life of me, do not care for this matchup. I don't. I never have. I probably never will. And this is probably one of the easier calls to make because, God forbid, they actually give Tamina the SmackDown Women's Championship. I will be literally laughing my ass off on Instagram and just being like, you're all fucking idiots. WWE would be foolish to give the title to Tamina. They would be honestly foolish to give the title to Tamina. Seriously. The one match that you have to take care of is Bailey versus Sasha Banks. At this point, they have no other options. 
They have no other options than giving us what we've been wanting for years on the main roster, and that's Bailey versus Sasha Banks. A little foreshadowing. I might have actually given away who I wanted to win. Um, I need the bank. I'm just going to put it out there right now. But anyway, I'm going with Bailey to retain because there is no fucking reason Tamina needs this championship. They, I don't even know, like I said, why are they even putting her on this fucking card? I don't know why they're putting her on the card. I don't even know why she's in the freaking... I guess because, you know, we, we ain't got really anybody else. And Dana Brooke ain't going to do the fucking job. Lacey Evans ain't doing the fucking job. And neither is fucking Carmella over on SmackDown. They've all been defeated. So all we have left is Tamina. And, again, there is no reason for me to even think for one fucking second that Tamina holding the SmackDown Women's Championship would be an easy choice. It is Bailey. Bailey retains. I laugh at Tamina when she gets beat. And we'll go on from there. We have a fatal four-way tag team match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. The New Day. Now, eight-time SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And I still question that decision to this day. I do love me some New Day, don't get me wrong. But there is no reason on the goddamn fucking planet that the New Day should be holding championship gold at this very moment. If anything, it should honestly be Heavy Machinery, defeating Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler at WrestleMania with Otis pinning Dolph and getting the girl in Mandy Gross, and on top of that, becoming a SmackDown Tag Team Champion. See how easy that would have been? That would have been the easiest thing to call it. I even talked about that in my Good, the Bad, and the Ugly that was the Elimination Chamber back a couple months ago. How in the ever-loving fuck do I, should I care about this match? Here's who we have on the match card for this one. The New Day, defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against The Miz and John Morrison, versus the Lucha House Party, versus the Forgotten Sons. They are lucky as fuck this isn't elimination. But, and it's been quite a while since I've been able to do this, and we'll be doing this two more times due to the fact that Money in the Bank has multiple people in it. We get to play a little game I used to play back in the day. When I used to, when I used to be just a, uh, what I like to call myself an indie guy. Um, my favorite game in the world, Process of Elimination. Pretty much, the game should be pretty simple. Um, if you don't understand it though, I'll explain it to you. We take away the three who I don't believe will win and we'll leave the one who I will pick to to either retain or become the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Case in point, the Forgotten Sons ain't fucking winning the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. They were forgotten in NXT, and they're going to be forgotten now. That's not to say they're not bad. I was a, I am a fan of the Forgotten Sons. I thought they didn't get there just doing NXT. I thought they pretty much could have been, you know, a little bit up the ladder. I thought they would have gotten a shot at the Tag Team Championships, even if it wasn't a losing effort, but their heels... And at the time that I wanted them to get a shot at the Tag Team Championships, the Undisputed Era was holding the belts, so it would have made sense for the Tag Team Champions to be heel versus heel. I understand that. Sometimes, it's okay. But I would have loved to see at least them get a sniff at the Tag Team Championships, a little bit of a title shot, just to see how they would fare against a team like the Undisputed Era. I would, I would, I think it would have been a solid moment for them. And, um, yeah. But in this case, I don't see... The Forgotten Sons winning the championship. I just don't see it. it I, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. This ain't their night. The Lucha House Party. 
sure as hell ain't winning the SmackDown Tag Team Championships because they're pretty much at this point jobbers. They are jobbers. They are trash. I could care less. I just don't give a single fuck about the Lucha House Party. I pretty much haven't in the longest time. I haven't. I don't care. They haven't really done anything. They're jobbers. You rarely see them on SmackDown. Why would I want to, if I'm WWE, why would I want to give the Lucha House Party the SmackDown Tag Team Championships when we haven't even featured them at all on programming for the most part? The only reason they are in this mix now is because when the Revival were still in WWE, um, they were pretty much jobbers anyway, and we replaced the Lucha House Party with the, the Revival with the Lucha House Party. So yeah, I don't care. Which leaves us to the New Day and The Miz and John Morrison. Now, again, at this point, neither team should be holding the Tag Team Championships. They've had... The New Day's got eight now. They're on their eighth title reign. The Miz and John Morrison, to me personally, green experiment, but failed. Unfortunately. It has unfortunately failed. Um, I, I mean, it works sometimes, but with this with this version of The Miz and John Morrison, it has been a, a, fail, a very failed experiment. Um, I have not liked it. I have not thoroughly enjoyed it at all. And honestly, they could have done a lot better. They could have done so much better with this, and they haven't. So, who to eliminate? Who do we take out of the conversation? The Miz and John Morrison are not winning the SmackDown Tag Team Championships either. Which means I am choosing the New Day, although I really don't want to, to retain the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Um, honestly, at this point, there is no better team to choose than the New Day right now in your prediction. Um, the other three teams, to me, just... The Miz and John Morrison had their run with it. They're done. Lucha House Party, jobbers. Forgotten Sons just got into the game. They just got into the brand. I mean, yes, it would be a crazy moment for the Forgotten Sons to win Tag Team Championships... But for, for, for right now, given the fact that they just won it recently uh, on a SmackDown of all places, um, I for one just just see the New Day retaining. It's unfortunate uh, because they shouldn't even have have the gold right now. Oh, I'm sorry, the, the silver. Whatever, it doesn't fucking matter. The tag team division is more trash than ever anyway, so it doesn't really fucking matter. Um, but with but the New Day retains, and hopefully, maybe, we get the Heavy Machinery into the mix. Because I think Heavy Machinery, leading up to WrestleMania, I think they were, and they were getting super over. They were hugely over when, they, when we got to uh, the tag team chamber match. They were supremely over. They were huge, huge, they were so over, it wasn't even funny. They were over as fuck, and I felt that night would have been their night to win the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, or had Dolph, Dolph Ziggler and uh, Bobby Roode win the Tag Team Championships, pinning the Heavy Machinery, Heavy Machinery getting their shot at WrestleMania, then beating Otis and uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, and then starting their run, and actually getting matches with The New Day, and The Miz and John Morrison, and The Usos before they got injured. Um, you know, it, 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 we needed some new blood. With this tag team goal. I, I honestly believe the heavy machinery would have been the right call to actually have that gold right now. Silver. I don't fucking care. 
New Day wins, and they retain, and plus it's too early in their reign to actually for them to lose championships. Which gets us into the top brand championship matches, starting off with Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. Now, this is me personally. With Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. You really could have waited for this one. Why they had... I'm sure... If there was no coronavirus right now. If coronavirus wasn't even a fucking thing. And this wasn't a big deal at all. And there was no coronavirus. I guarantee you right now, Roman Reigns would be holding the Universal Championship. And it would be Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt. At WrestleMania. Not when I was WrestleMania. At Money in the Bank for the championship. And that would probably have been the easiest prediction of the night for me because I would have picked Reigns to beat Bray Wyatt. Now, that not being the case, we now have the, we now have Strowman versus Wyatt. Now, of course, there are ties. They both were members of the Wyatt family. Of course, Bray being the leader. Um, and they've tried their best to make this somewhat feel like a big deal. Um, it's been I. It's, been, it's, it's really been I. It has been. I mean, they've tried. They have really tried their best to at least get us somewhat invested in getting us hyped for Wyatt versus Strowman. But here's the unfortunate thing going on here. Whoever wins and whoever loses, it it's just going to only hurt them in the long run, if you understand, if you, think, if you think about it the way I think about it. Bray Wyatt... Yes, just beat John has beaten beat John Cena at WrestleMania. Hooray! Finally got his win back in what we thought was one of the more unique matches on the WrestleMania weekend card. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. You know, it was really cool to see callbacks from John Cena's career and all that stuff. But now we go we go into this match here, and again, I don't see. I mean, as much as I would love to see Wyatt take the championship and hold the gold, which he should have been doing, all the way through at least WrestleMania. At least. And we could have had Bray Wyatt versus John Cena for the world title. For the Universal Championship, Bray Wyatt would have been in the position to defend a championship, probably against Roman, and then Roman would have beat Wyatt. We would have been, we would have been mad. It'd be like that sometimes. I understand. But, unfortunately, I'm going with Braun Strowman to retain. Again, he just won the championship at Mania over Oldberg. And there's no reason for him to drop the championship. Now, for me personally, I would have been I would be laughing my ass off if they actually booked Strowman to lose against Wyatt. Thus, giving Wyatt his title back. But it don't really go like that. It's unfortunate, too. Because I also, when I do predictions, I kind of have to think about what WWE might Honestly, what would WWE probably do in these cases? More than likely, Strowman's going to get booked to win. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people are fans of Wyatt and The Fiend and all that comes with it. But now there are people saying Wyatt got buried at um, Super Letdown. You know, it should have been Bray Wyatt, John Cena for the Universal Championship. That would have been a dope, that would have been a dope intriguing story. And I thoroughly agree. Bray Wyatt trying to get the win back that he got, that he got owned on um, WrestleMania 30, and 
John Cena trying to become 17-time world champion. The story in and of itself wrote itself. You dig? And I would have loved to see that match at WrestleMania 36 instead of what we got at WrestleMania 36 with Strowman and Goldberg winning the championship. Uh, yeah, that was just boring. Um, yeah, but I'm picking Strowman to retain. Again, it's too soon for Strowman to drop a championship, unfortunately. And as much as I would love to see Wyatt win that, John, um, it's unfortunate that Wyatt is going to have to take the L here. Moving into the WWE Championship on Raw, Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins. This has my attention. Because we kind of had an idea that this match would be taking place more than likely after Mania, after McIntyre beat Lesnar for the WWE Championship. This was this was an easy given. We I kind of had a feeling Seth Rollins was going to be the first challenger to the title for McIntyre. And I, and I knew it was more than likely going to be Money in the Bank. There were reports about it, all that stuff. Um, it just made the most sense in the world. Now, what they do after this, because McIntyre is retaining. It would be a waste of our motherfucking time if you had Vince McMahon talking about the reason ratings are low is because Brock Lesnar's not champion. Great job there, Vince, you dumbass. And pretty much, you know, not even mentioning Drew McIntyre's fucking name and not putting no respect on it. You know, not the best of ideas to talk about in a fucking conference call, my dude. Just, ooh, yeah, that doesn't work for me, Pepper. Does not work for me at all. I'm just, no. Just not a fan of it at all. But we are here, and we will go from there. I am picking Drew McIntyre to retain. Um, It just makes all the sense in the world for Drew to retain. He deserves a title run. He deserves a very long title run. He deserves a very good title run. He deserves nothing less than at least close to a year. That's just me, if I were booking it. I would make McIntyre the most dominant champion in all of WWE. Well, right now, we got Adam Cole, Bay Bay, holding that holding that joint right now. We're pretty much going to be, uh, you know, going into a year, and I've already seen the results, so nobody has to get on me about that one. Yeah, we'll talk about that on Tuesday. But... Drew McIntyre deserves a very, very solid long title run. He does. He deserves all of this. Through the three years, that the few years that he took to get back into the WWE, to go through NXT, win the NXT Championship, make it to the main roster, go two years busting his ass, earning his shot, and finally getting the championship, you drop a title to, drop title to Seth Rollins after a month, that would be the worst Thing you could do for not only your WWE Championship, but for Drew McIntyre, period. And I guarantee you, if that was the case, if that was the case, guarantee social media would go ballistic and not in a good way. I promise you, if they have Drew McIntyre drop a championship to Seth Rollins this Sunday, I promise you, social media is going to light WWE up. Drew has to retain. Seth Rollins will have his time sooner or later. Right now, Drew has to have this run. Drew needs this run. 
Drew retains over Seth Rollins. And we finally get into the Money in the Bank ladder match to save the best for last, I guess. And I'm going to start off with the ladies. See, I'm somewhat of a gentleman here. I don't give a shit. Mm, that BCA is sitting today. Tropical Punch tastes like Kool-Aid. Delicioso, y'all. Beyond Raw, good shit. Shameless plug. Asuka versus Shayna Baszler versus Nia Jax versus Dana Brooke versus Lacey Evans versus Carmella. This is the most atrocious women's money in the bank contract match I may have seen in the last four years. I mean, it's only been around for four years for the ladies, but this is probably the weakest one they have put on Let's play process of elimination, shall we? This will be pretty... The, the first four should be pretty easy. Dana Brooke ain't winning this shit. Okay? For all you Dana Brain, uh, Brooke stands out there, yes, she's a thirst trap on Instagram. I am just a man. I am merely just a man. And Batista, kudos to you for smashing that. But she is nowhere near anything that deserves a money in the bank contract. Hell no. Actually, you know what? Yeah, let me go on my, yeah. This, 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 we're gonna do a lot of this shit today. This is a perfect day to play some, play some decent music. Yep, boom. Boop, boot up, boot up, ooh, uh, uh. Let me see if I can just set this up here. What is, oh, I'm just gonna play the whole entire damn song because it's my show, this is how we get down. This is the uh, hell, hell to the no, 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 no <clears throat> portion of the program. And it goes a little something like that. And it just uh, goes something like that. Dana Brooke. Today, Nikki bonded with a okay, cool cool. Yeah, we ain't doing that. Oh, yeah, we don't we don't play ads here. We don't play ads on that, John. We ain't trying, we ain't, we'll, we'll be trying to do uh, do ads for Fitbit. No, we ain't got time for that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Dana Brooke, no. There is no way in God's arena earth we are going to have Dana Brooke win that damn contract. Carmella! Okay, so that's that's two down. What else we got in the card? Um, ah, yes, Lacey Evans. <laughs> It'll all make sense when I'm done. 
And the reason behind it is actually inspired by one of the War family, and I'll be thanking her in just a moment for this. We then go into the botch master herself, Nia Jax. I'm gonna let it all play through. <laughs> if you get tired of this song, if you have never heard this song, first and foremost, you, you did it to yourself. Um, second of all, if you love this song, you know what I'm talking about. This shit's fun. <laughs> I am going to help for all of this, and I don't care when to be there. I hope they have nice, nice TV and help. So that's four down with two to go. Shayna Baszler. Which leaves us with one. Oscar. Oscar, darling. You are a heel, yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Slow down. Whoa. Let me... Whoa. <laughs> Chill out. Chill out, computer. Oscar, darling. You are one of my favorites. I like how you get down in the ring. I think you're cute. I won't go as far as say you're sexy. You're just very adorable. And I likes that. But baby girl. Neither of these women are winning money in the bank. Wait, what? Zach, if no one in the on this match is winning money in the bank, then who? Kate Murphy, I'd like to thank you. And I, well, first and foremost, thank Ricky for letting me know what it was. And thank you, Kate Murphy, for actually inspiring my pick. Because, baby girl, I fucks with you on this one. Sasha Banks is winning money in the bank. <gasps> it's the easiest play you have in the book. The tried and true method. How do you be how are you able to cause a rift between two people who are besties? You have one win money in the bank. Bailey, who I picked to retain. Sasha Banks holding the briefcase. Easiest play in the fucking book. Now, excuse me. One of them has to be taken out, correct? Sasha Banks just can't insert herself into the match. She has to take out somebody. She takes out Lacey Evans. Her former rival. 
who she beat, actually she lost to, with the help of Bailey. Now, it's not going to be, now, Ricky and I talked about this, and again, Kate, you're a real one for this one. I fucks with you on this heavy, and I think it's the best choice to make. It's the, like I said, it's the easy try to true method. Cause a rift between Bailey and Sasha, with Sasha holding the briefcase, knowing that at possibly any moment Bailey could get cashed in on. You then create a, a I guess, a babyface Sasha, and a heel Bailey. Well, you already have a heel Bailey, but then you create a babyface Sasha, or just a bitch Sasha trying to get hers. Would make all the sense in the world to do. Sasha Banks is going to win this year's Money in the Bank, and honestly, she actually deserves it. Because Bailey versus Sasha Banks is a match I've been wanting since Brooklyn. Brooklyn, I believe, two. And we have never really gotten that on the main roster. What is the best time to do it, you ask? I'm glad you asked. SummerSlam weekend in Boston. It all adds up very easily. Sasha Banks cashing in on her best friend, quote-unquote, in Boston... And becoming the SmackDown Women's Champion. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is what you call a moment. Kate Murphy, thank you for the inspiration. Sasha Banks, go get your son. Which then leads to the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Daniel Bryan versus Rey Mysterio versus Aleister Black versus... Everyone's favorite Applebee's general manager, King Corbin, versus Otis versus AJ Styles. Now, I can eliminate three off the bat. I won't need a hell to the no, no, no for song for this one. Rey Mysterio, King Corbin, and Otis can go fuck themselves. I love me some Rey Mysterio, but he ain't got it. King Corbin, you had your one shot and they played you. Otis, no, no, honey. No, 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 honey. No, Spider-Man not here. Superman no here. Otis no here. Which leaves us with Brian, Black, and Styles. Now, God damn it. I would love Daniel Bryan to win money in the bank. But my friend, Sunday ain't your day. I would love to see Daniel Bryan win that contract, but it's not your time, Playboy. Unfortunately, it's not. So then leaves two. Aleister Black and AJ Styles. Now, I completely forgot AJ Styles was in this matchup, but I remember then he won a gauntlet match to actually become the last participant in that because Apollo Crews does have an actual knee injury and is out for quite some time. It's unfortunate. But the show must go on regardless. Now, with Styles, it would be the easiest way. He would be an easy pick to make because 90%, a good portion, I would not say 90%, but a very, a big majority of the time, a heel has won money in the bank. Styles taking that money in the bank contract and cashing in on McIntyre would honestly make a lot of sense. It really, really would. Honestly, it's probably one of the easiest things to do. I would easily do it. I, if I were booking it and I had that choice, I could easily see AJ Styles winning it. 
Alistair Black. The reason I would want to pick him is because, you know, he's been putting on some bangers. Big time bangers. And, and of course, go see Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black matches. And you can understand why in the hell I would say Black would be the best choice as well. So who do you pick? The tried and true veteran heel that would make the most sense of stealing the WWE Championship away from Drew McIntyre? Or do you go with Aleister Black and have him cash in on, I guess right now, Braun Strowman? As much as I would love to pick AJ Styles because of the tried and true method, I'm going to go with my gut. And my gut has been telling me ever since the Money in the Bank ladder match has been announced and I've seen the six guys in this matchup, I'm going to go with Aleister Black to win this one. Personally, I think they can build this up big time. Long-term booking would be the key to this. Now, I don't know how long they're going to have Strowman hold the championship. But at some point, you got to really start making the case for guys like Aleister Black to get some damn shine. I really do think Aleister Black has the goods. Again, long-term booking. I mean, easily, AJ Styles could be the easiest choice to make because, well, it's AJ Styles, he's a heel, and it's a heel, it's a heel briefcase 90% of the time. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just throw out a number there. It, it may be an exaggeration, but a good majority of the time you see heels winning. I think Alistair Black personally would be a solid choice to win the money in the bank. I mean, he I mean everything about him screams world champion somewhere in his career. And if we're not gonna have Roman for a while, because of course he has leukemia. He doesn't want to get the coronavirus. And he just had twins. And as a fellow twin myself, you going to have a lot of work to do, Roman. Trust me when I tell you, you can ask my mom. I gave Me and my sister gave her hell as babies and hell as children. Actually, hell as a teenager, too. Sorry. Um, but for real, for real, I think Alistair Black, in my honest opinion, is the best candidate to win money in the bank. There is no better way to do it. A guy like Aleister Black, you can honestly take your time with this. Especially since the main event scene to me personally is kind of a little meh. You can build Aleister Black to become a world champion. You got to take the time though and actually for, for all of this to actually come to fruition. Something WWE, a good 99.9% of the time, doesn't know how to do. Wait, my dog eats broccoli? All right. And I guess I will just get this out of the way now. This, this is your obligatory Marley moment of the show, brought to you by Marley, who would like to let you know that make sure you get your required amount of sleep and make sure you have your good intake of fluids, of course, mostly water. Uh, get plenty of exercise and eat your vegetables. Her words, not mine. Just putting it out there, y'all. But yes, I'm going to go with Aleister Black to become Mr. Money in the Bank. I know some people would say you're just you're going with your heart. No, I'm going with my gut. My gut has been telling me, even before Ada Styles became the sixth and last participant of this matchup, Aleister Black has the goods. And I think there is no one else on the on this whole thing right now 
That screams money in the bank. Yes, Styles could win it, and I wouldn't be mad. Brian could win it, and I wouldn't be mad. Corbin could win it. I'll be mad as fuck. Rey Mysterio could win it, and I'd kind of be confused. Otis could win it, and I'd just be really, really confused. But Aleister Black, to me, in my eyes, needs this. He deserves this. He put on bangers early in 2020. And I think putting on bangers should be rewarded. So yes, my Money in the Bank winners. I'm going with this year. Sasha Banks for the ladies and Aleister Black for the fellas. And that, that will conclude our Money in the Bank preview and predictiones. When we come back, y'all know what time it is. It's time we light the fuse and talk about what was it in a lot of people's opinions, and you can check the social media for sure, one of the best, if not the best episodes of AE Dynamite in AEW's history. And yes, we will be talking about the crazy-ass street fight between Lesex Gods, Kenny Omega, and Matt Hardy. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we are back with episode 202 of the YLP Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, it is once again time to light the fuse and discuss this week's banger of an episode of AEW Dynamite. Man, oh man, I have to say... Kudos to AEW this week. They absolutely did their fucking job in terms of building towards AEW's next pay-per-view, which will be going down in two weeks' time as of this Saturday. Double or nothing. Um, This was just a fantastic, like I said, this is a fantastic episode of AEW Dynamite. They nailed it. They hit it out of the park with this one with a grand slam of an episode. They just, they, there's a reason why they won the week. I believe it was 732 in terms of thousands to 627 um, for NXT. So it definitely goes to show you that a lot of people were interested in what AEW was going to be doing this week. And as always, with, of course, every episode we do here in terms of last week, this week, and Light the Fuse, we talk about the most important thing to come out of uh, AEW Dynamite this week. And it is surprisingly not a match, not a promo or anything like that. It's actually what they talked about during the program. Um, AEW this week actually did testing for the entirety of whoever was in the building at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. And they really did hype that up a lot and discussed it a lot during the entirety of the show, which was really, really cool. Um, Again, yeah, like I said, they tested every single person who was going to be in the building. Um, Even members who weren't involved in wrestling matches, they tested everybody from the people in the crowd to the crew and uh, others who were at ringside watching the action go down. And throughout the night, um, Excalibur, Jim Ross, and Tony Schiavone actually talked about it, you know, talked about them doing um, coronavirus testing um, 
for all parties involved. It did not matter if you were just a, a member of the camera crew, production team. It didn't matter. You were going to get tested. And thankfully, all of the members of the of the entirety of AEW Dynamite of what happened went, went down on Wednesday, all tested negative, which is in and of itself a very, very fantastic thing. Um, I know a lot of sports, um, I know NBA, um, they just started officially opening their facilities this week. Um, and they're going to be doing coronavirus testing. I know MLS, uh, Major League Soccer, they did coronavirus testing for all of their players. Um, for the most part, all good. So not a lot of hiccups in terms of, um, you know, anyone catching it or anything like that. They, they, that was a really big deal, I think, for a lot of us. Um, who, of course, are, you know, I guess you could say worried about the coronavirus. Um, I know I always say coronavirus be damned, and I do mean that. Um, but it was very, very, it was one of the best things that could have came out of this. The simple fact that we had all parties involved actually have a coronavirus test. And that is really cool to me that they are, that AEW is really taking time out of the, the proper time and, all that to ensure the safety of all everyone that's going to be involved from the performers to all the roster to all the members of the roster who were in ringside. They really, really did push drive this home and they really drove it home for all of us at home to, you know, let us know that, hey, you know. We took care. We made sure everybody was safe. We did it as safe as possible. And I, I'm very, very happy and thankful that they actually did this also as a live episode of AEW Dynamite. I think if they just did it as taped, it's still, it wouldn't be as good, but just seeing it live, just having it taken care of live and them discussing that, I think was the biggest thumbs up of the night. Um, You can't go, you can't get any better than that. You know, they're really making sure that they are putting this out there. Like, yes, we did X, Y, and Z for our performers uh, and all parties involved. And that gives me a little bit of reassurance knowing that, you know, they're taking the proper precautions to ensure that um, the safety of everyone involved with this, that is a big, big thumbs up and a big, big kudos to AEW. I couldn't be any happier with that. I couldn't be happier. The fact that, you know, all parties involved were actually negative. That's a big win for AEW, especially those who aren't in the floor or the, uh, the Florida, uh, Georgia area where they were, they were taping episodes um, more recently. But the best part was it was the fact that it was a live episode um, definitely does add to the fact that, you know, we weren't getting just a regular tape show. This was a big, big show. They really had a lot of moving parts um, going on to this. And every part as in the lead up to um, AEW Double or Nothing, they really drove this home. They really wanted to make sure that you were going to stay invested in the lead up to Double or Nothing um, in two weeks' time. That is a win, a big win. And I think that was why AEW took the ratings for the for the week over NXT by at least 100,000. I couldn't be any happier of, of this show. This was one of, if not the best shows that AEW has put on since its inception back in October. They really, really did a lot to get everything going. Um, and one of the more important um, matches that they're going to have on the card for 
double or nothing is what they started on Wednesday night, which was the AEW World Championship. Of course, that's going to be the main event of AEW Double or Nothing. And I was wondering who they were going to have go up against John Moxley for the AEW World Title. We got our question answered this past Wednesday night in the form of the Dark Order's leader, Brody Lee. We are going to be getting Brody Lee and John Moxley for the AEW World Title at Double or Nothing. Um, after Moxley's victory over Kazarian, which I, what I thought was a damn good match between the two, they really had a fun time with this matchup. Um, the Creepers, the members of the Dark Order, attacked John Moxley. Of course, you have Preston Vance, who we had talked about in uh, recent weeks, uh, becoming number 10 and uh of the crew um, numbers 10, nine, eight, seven, six, five, and four um, were, you know, attacked Moxley in a seven on one assault out came SCU Scorpion sky and Christopher Daniels got involved in their own three V one muggings. Um, Daniels suffering a scoop slam on the ramp and Scorpio got stranded in the corner. Moxley still suffering at the hands of the feet of the creepers. Um, Kaz even got, uh, got, beat down and Vance actually gave Scorpio a spine buster um, in all of this. And then out comes Mr. Brody Lee with the chair in hand, smashing Daniels with the chair and goes in the ring as Moxley is brought up to his feet, hits Moxley with the discus lariat and get was, is given a microphone, a microphone by one of his minions. He says, Mr. Moxley, I am just here to answer the bounty that you put on your very head last week. There is no crowd of fans to save you with their energy. There is no one here to save you. This, Mr. Moxley, this is the energy you feel now. You understand? I have so much you desire. But you are not the same man that used to look eye to eye with. But I am not the same man. They used to look eye to eye with you before. I make people's lives better. And any one of these noblemen will sacrifice themselves sacrifice themselves for my sake. But to apologize ahead of time, you are merely the poor soul that possesses what I desire. Something that I need. Evil Uno says that you're a reasonable man. But you have the crown jewel of pro wrestling. And I challenge you to the AEW world championship but who knows if you're really all that reasonable who knows what you are now are you a movie star an actor mma fighter a rebel or are you just a scared little fatherless boy from cincinnati answer the challenge or the dark order will make you he throws the mic down at moxley's face Moxley, of course, starts to get to his feet a little bit, has a smile on his face and said, dude, all you had to do was ask. Moxley grinning at Brody and he eat, and he makes him eat a big boot and they begin the mauling again, picking up the bones of the golden feast that is the world champion. And with that, that was all it took for Brody Lee and John Moxley to face each other 
for the AEW World Championship at Double or Nothing. Now, there is a little bit of concern for some of y'all. And by some of y'all, I mean Twitter. Um, because of the fact that Moxley, undefeated AEW, uh, uh, has been, I believe, undefeated ever since he came into AEW, um, current world champion. Brody Lee also undefeated um, going into his matchup against John Moxley in a couple of weeks. So well, the concern is that whoever loses this match does lose a bit of it of their momentum. And that's all it is one thing to be concerned about because for Brody, a lot of people would say, oh, he's getting his shot early on his in his AEW career. Why he hasn't really earned the shot yet. Um, and if Moxley lost, a lot of people would say that it was too soon for AEW uh, for Moxley. I should say for AEW to lose the AEW world championship. In terms of predictions, we'll get to that point when we get there. We'll discuss that in a couple of weeks. But right now, what I would want to say is that look at where these two are now as they're as opposed to where they were in WWE. Brody Lee, one-time Intercontinental Champion, former tag team champion, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, with his former tag team partner, Luke Harper, not Luke Harper, um, Eric Rowan of the Bludgeon Brothers when they were actually a very dominant tag team early on in the Land of Opportunity era that was SmackDown Live back in 2016-2017, maybe going into 2018. John Moxley, former uh, world champion over in WWE, I felt, honestly, the, his last bit of run in the WWE over the last few over those last few months was very, very lackluster. Um, they had him cut promo. I mean, if you listen to the Talk is Jericho podcast, um, episode with John Moxley, he broke it down chapter and verse, you know, in terms of what it took to just get a meeting with Vince to try to get something, you know, to do for in terms of like a promo or a character change up or anything like that. And that's when the whole, that's some good shit, uh, meme came out as well. And I didn't believe, I honestly don't believe, at least in the last few months of their careers in WWE, they got their fair shake in WWE. Of course, we all know the infamous promo where he got, a, where Smoxley got an injection on his buttocks um, from his doctor. Lee, uh, Brody Lee wasn't really doing much um, in terms of what he, you know, in his career. It was really, I mean, after the Wyatt family kind of split. You know, Lee was kind of lost. It was a little bit lost in the shuffle. That's just me, though. Um, and then Moxley was just doing Bane promos and had his music with air horns and all this shit. And it just didn't really work out well for both guys. In AEW, they're treated like big fucking deals. Um, yes, like I said, Moxley was a former world champion in WWE. But I never really felt that he got his just due. I mean, yes, they had the Shield triple threat. For Moxley to win that, um, going in as a WWE champion over on SmackDown, that was all well and good. That was great. But still, though, um, for my money, Moxley really didn't get the biggest fair shake in, in uh, WWE. Um, yeah, he was a big fucking deal, especially after the Shield is split. But it, it, I mean, they had he had his rise, but then he had his downfall, and then he got in. I believe he got injured. Um, <laughs> excuse me. No, it's not coronavirus. Calm down. Something caught my woodpecker. But take a sip of water real quick to get that all flushed out. 
But for me personally, they could have been bigger names in WWE than they could have been in AEW. And I know I don't like to talk about WWE shit when I'm talking about AEW stuff, but it does. But they, but you got to understand the contrast of how they were in AEW. But they are in AEW versus where they were in WWE. This now Lee versus Moxley at Double or Nothing, I think, really could really make a mark on their careers. With of course Moxley being the AEW World Champion right now, and Brody Lee now being a main eventer immediately upon his arrival in uh, AEW, joining being the uh, known recognized as the leader of the Dark Order, which I felt. At the time, I thought it was going to go to uh, Matt Hardy. But when we got to see the result, and we now know that Matt Hardy is going to be in blood and guts whenever we do get that. And um, I think the proper time for that would probably be all out in August, which would be a very, very smart move on AEW's part in a great way um, to have, I believe, if they could do it in Chicago, the city of Chicago, back into the swing of things, which I hope and pray they do get that. They do get that call. But uh Considering what's going on in Illinois, they might do some dumb shit. But that's just me. That's none of my business. That's whole again. We don't talk politics on this show for the most part. Not my thing, um, because it's more stupidity than anything else. And that that would take a whole three hours in and of itself. But Lee versus Moxley at Double or Nothing, I think is the right call right now. Especially knowing that MJF is still in the thick of things, um, knowing that he will be coming back next week to wrestle, which is. Fantastic for me, not so much for at Phoenix AEW, who is not the biggest fan of MJF. Uh, trust me when I tell you, I really kind of tiny bit trolled her on Twitter for that, and she was none too pleased, which I understand. I get it. Of course, in in, in jest, of course, in jest. We 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 have fun here. Um, but the simple fact that you know we're gonna get this matchup, um, this is all good. This is really really gonna be really cool to see that. You know, to see how well they have grown away from WWE. Of course, Moxley being in New Japan, doing the G1 Climax, all that good stuff. Lee finally getting out of WWE, stepping into the AEW spotlight, becoming a main eventer very quickly, and becoming a very top name in the company that they have their focus on. Of course, leader of the Dark Order. Dark Order's been having some good momentum as of late, which is always a win in and of itself. This match, I think, will showcase the best of what Brody Lee and John Moxley do have to offer. Um, I think this match is going to be Smash Mouth as fuck. I think these two are going to beat the living ever living shit out of each other. I think this should be easily a no disqualification match, which is something that Moxley does regularly, minus the whole empty arena no holds barred match. We won't get into that ever again. This match works. I think this is the best call to make in terms of who. Of Moxley, a title defense for Moxley. Then after that, if he does beat Brody Lee, goes to All Out, maybe faces an MJF, loses the MJF, and then we get a MJF World Champion. That would be spectacular if they go about that route. If that's the route they're going to be going into the summer months. But I'm thank I am very happy that Moxley and Lee here are going to be getting a very, very big stage for Double or Nothing. It, it, it's it's going to be really fun to see how these two interact over the next couple of weeks because usually 
um, when it comes to builds of less than at least four weeks. Sometimes they drop the ball with um, very short builds. But what I do think with this is that AEW is going to put in, put this on the afterburners and really drive this home um, as we head towards double or nothing in a couple of weeks. I couldn't be happier for both of these guys to get a showcase, a big showcase spotlight to show the world what both men are actually capable of. You can never go wrong with that. I couldn't be prouder of both of these guys to be in the position that they're in right now. And I can't wait to see what they do come next week when we start getting, you know, how will uh, Moxley retaliate now knowing that Brody Lee will take on Christopher Daniels in a matchup I've been wanting to see for quite some time, especially the fact that it all intertwines together with Daniels trying to prove that there is no leader of the Dark Order. And now that we have Brody Lee in the thick of things, we do get the matchup there, which I think is very, very nice storyline continuation. Big thumbs up on that because there's one thing I truly love. It's the devil's in the details and storyline continuation does help the cause. You don't want any logic gaps. You're there. They are literally doing what WWE wishes they could do. And that's tying up all loose ends, making sure they cross their T's and dot their I's and being able to give all of you all the continuation and have everything, you know, everything hemmed up before we get to Lee versus Moxley. That in and of itself is a big win, and I think AEW should be very thankful um, for for that. Very, very, very happy about the result there. Which leads us to the street fight that went down. We're going to time. Time is all right. We're We're all right on time. We're good on time this week. This particular, this, oh my God. And before I, w- I get into the street fight, because I don't want to talk about too much. I don't want to take up much of your time. I know the last couple of episodes, I gave y'all four hours of content. And me personally, I know there was some, you know, I could have made this shorter, but there were a lot of things I wanted to talk about with those two episodes. So, A, my apologies for going so long, but I kind of wanted to bring it, drive a couple things home this week, especially know what's going on with me and all that mental health. And you can check out episode 201 from this past Wednesday. You could all check that out um, when you have the time, and that's understandable. Do you, boo boo, um, all that stuff. So, before we get into the street fight, which is what I will end the episode on, all other than that, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. The, um, You know, Brandy Rhodes calling out um, Jake the Snake. That was really cool. I thought that promo was pretty solid. Of course, continuing on with what happened with uh, Lance Archer destroying uh, her brother-in-law. That was really great. You know, that I thought that was a really good promo from Brandy. That was well done. And then, of course, what happened after um, Lance Archer versus QT Marshall, uh, Britt Baker actually attacked Brandy Rhodes. With a DDT, and then of course the snake that you know that Jake Roberts put on her um, after that, I thought was pretty fucking cool. So that was a little nice thing there. Um, Sean Spears talking about um, Dustin Rhodes, talking about his career's over. No one can take a beating like that and keep going. Spears blaming, of course, of course, not blaming Dustin for competing, not Lance Archer for doing what he did, but he says, "I have a brother." And if my brother was in any physical danger, I'd do everything I can in my power to stop that from happening. I would defend my brother. 
But Cody didn't do that. He could have stopped the match when Archer was destroying Dustin. Could have thrown in the towel, but he didn't. Why? Because he's selfish? Because he alone thinks he can carry the loads of Rhodes' legacy? Dustin's career is over. I don't care what happens to Cody. But as someone who has a brother, I couldn't live with that. But Cody, you proved that you can. Now, I thought it was a pretty cool thing. Um, MJF as well. His promo was fucking was fucking fantastic. Um, talking about, you know, noticing the younger talent to claim they're all the next big thing, though they're at the age of 30, which kind of pissed me off a little bit because I'm 32. Um, it says, you know, being the big thing is cool. I'm the guy, but no one else wants to admit it because they all hate my guts. To quote Cody, they move the goalpost. They're comparing me to legends. I'm great, but I'm no Ric Flair. He's no rock. He's no Roddy Piper. What does that all stem from? Insecurity. The same insecurity that makes every other top guy realize a 24-year-old kid has taken their spot. But the kid is ratings. Is a prodigy from bell to bell and is going to be a champion in the blink of an eye. That kid has more it factor on my on its pinky than in some people's entire bodies. I'm not the rock, flair, or piper. I'm what no one has ever seen before. And that is why the 24-year-old man can afford to miss some in-ring time, sit back, relax, and watch some good old-fashioned wrestling. Because that man knows damn well that when he comes back to work, my spot on the throne will be right where I left it, without a scratch. Speaking of thrones, of course, staffers move his plush armchair and replaces it with an ornate wooden one. I am that man, and that man, and then he stubs his toe on the chair, not. I'm injury-free, and starting next week, I sit back on my throne, which I think is also cool. I mean, they really did a lot with this. They even did the, talked about the um, the women's division um, and, uh, a little bit for this episode, of course, talking about what people are saying is the greatest women's division champ, uh, division match in the history. Uh, of course, going back to February 12th, 2020, when uh, Nyla Rose defeated Rio, Little Miss Rio, for the AEW Women's World Championship. Of course, you know, going back to her promos, vowing to be a one-time champion because no one can beat me. Uh, of course, talking about the Chris Statlander match that we discussed at AEW Revolution. Uh, if you want to know what I thought about that match, you can go back to the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly that was AEW Revolution a couple of months ago. And... We'll go from there. Of course, then of course they talked about the coronavirus. Um, they uh, the narrator saying there are countless contenders waiting in the wings. Britt Baker has become the scourge of the locker room. Akaro Shida maintains a top spot in the AEW rankings, so it's not a, it's not a matter of if but when. Talking about Penelope, and they also talked about Penelope Ford as well, who has natural athleticism and the guidance of super bad Kip Sabian. So then, they, of course, at the end, it was saying, what becomes of the AEW women's division as the world works to start again? Um, now, getting into what's going to be going down next week before we talk about the street fight, if my laptop would actually work with me on this one. And I know bad radio for me to do this right now. So they made a few matches official for this year's version of Double or Nothing, of course. The big one, John Moxley versus Brody Lee for the AEW World Championship. And the one thing also happened in that Moxley Lee first initial deal is that he stole the AEW World Championship after the beatdown of John Moxley. So now, as Bobby Heenan would have said, 
back at Spring Stampede 98. Possession is only nine-tenths of the law. This, of course, going into Raven's match against Diamond Dallas Page, where they fall under Raven's rules. And by the way, Spring Stampede 98, one of my top five matches, top five pay-per-views ever that I have literally ever seen in my lifetime. And I've told, so I told the story about um, my neighbor being a wrestling fan, him taping uh, Spring Stampede 98 for me. And unfortunately, my mother and my sister taped over it with fucking Disney Cinderella with Brandy. Trust me to this day, I still lo- I still hate them both for that. And they both know it. And trust me, good thing we have the WWE Network because I can watch Spring Stampede 98 in full. Shit, maybe I might watch that over the weekend. Who knows? But, so we got Moxley Lee for the World Championship. We also, of course, have the TNT Championship between Cody and Lance Archer. Um, that's also going to be a big thing. They also announced that this year's Double or Nothing will not have a Casino Battle Royal, but they're going to have a Casino Ladder match, I guess, to counter the uh, Money in the Bank match for WWE going down this Sunday, which I thought was hilariously clever. Uh, of course, in that briefcase um, is an AEW World Championship opportunity, and the details of the match of how it will work will be announced next week. Honestly, if it's just a simple ladder match, um, pretty much the rule is simple. First man to climb up the ladder and grab the, grab the contract is pretty much guaranteed a world title shot somewhere down the line. Um, they also discuss what's going to be going down next week for Dynamite. Um, of course, MJF announcing his return to in-ring action. Brody Lee, as I said, uh, taking on Christopher Daniels. The Jurassic Express comes back for the first time in many, many moons. And they'll take on the best friends who are on a mean hot streak right now um, as we head towards Double or Nothing. And I think that um, best friends will take on Hangman Page and Kenny Omega for the World Tag Team Championships. If and when Hangman Page decides to stop being drunk all the goddamn time, show his ass up to AEW Double or Nothing and handle business for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. They also announced a women's fatal four-way match between Hikaru Shida, Penelope Ford, Britt Baker, and Chris Statlander. All four, of course, top contenders in the rankings, uh, I believe, as of this week. And we'll go check that in for a moment and I almost smacked the shit out of my headphones kind of gave me a little bit of a whoa so let's see the rankings really quickly before we get into the uh very fun portion of the program of course rankings as of May 6th here so of course uh we have the men's rankings now now of course, we have Moxley as world champion, Cody the number one contender, even though he can never contend for the AEW World Championship ever again. Lance Archer acts exactly at number two um, at 4-0 so far. Kenny Omega is number three contender at 4-0, but he, of course, he's got dealings with the Tag Team Championship. Uh, Brody Lee comes in this week at number four. Darby Allen, unfortunate, losing in the semifinals of the TMT Championship Tournament, is at number five with a 5-3 and three record on the year. And one thing I will say, is that uh, Taz is looked to want to help Darby Allen with his game. Uh, they had a little promo in the backstage area. Um, Taz basically saying, you know, I could help you, you know, and Darby Allen wasn't having any of it whatsoever. We'll see how that develops over the coming weeks and I guess months or so. But let's get into the women's rankings, which is most important. Okay, so of course, we know we have Nyla Rose as the AEW Women's World Champion right now. 
2020 record four and one. Um, now, all four of the ladies. Now, actually, Penelope Ford is not listed in the rank, top five rankings. Um, at five, they have Rio still for some odd reason at three and three on the year. Britt Baker at four, three and three on the year so far. Yuka Sakazaki is at number three, which is a weird flex, but okay. At one and one, Chris Statlander is somehow number two with a two and three record, um, especially after her loss to Nyla Rose at AEW Revolution. Um, I definitely would have at least taken Chris Statlander off the list. I would have taken um, Yuka Sakazaki out of that bitch. And I also would have taken Rio because I think at this very moment, Statlander already got her shot and lost. Sakazaki really isn't up there yet. And Rio, I don't know what they're doing with Rio. I really don't. Um, So you could have taken those three out, put in a Penelope Ford and added two others. But I guess to just pad the the rankings for the women's division just at least this week until they at least start to get others involved. I know there's uh, people like Sadie Gibbs, B. Priestley. I believe Sadie Gibbs is in a, uh, living in America now. I'm not exactly, I think she moved to America. So kind of curious. I mean, I've been watching EW Dark, so maybe that kind of hinders my whole, uh, that kind of blinds me a little bit. Um, I know B. Priestley is back in the UK under quarantine with her boo thang, she's like a boo bang, staying by her side like her boo thang. Uh, Mr. Um, what was the, the sex pig? Will Osprey and that boy looking dirt. That boy looking meaty. And coming from me, that that sounds uber weird. But hey, that if you saw that man's Instagram, homeboy getting swole as shit. You was you talk about him going to heavyweight division. Um, yeah, him him heavyweight division now. Boy eating his protein and doing his workouts. Trust me when I tell you that boy looking dirt. Uh, in terms of that, you know, the rankings, I think, are a bit eh, but I, with who, they're, who they've been using as of late, I understand why they have the rankings the way they do, but if it was me personally, I would have had a number one contenders match with Sheeta, Baker, and Penelope Ford. I think those are the three that are in most focus right now, so I would have been focusing on those three, building them up into a triple threat number one contenders match where the winner would face Nyla Rose at AEW Double or Nothing for the Women's World Championship. I wouldn't necessarily put Sheeta in the number one spot just yet in terms of top contender. I would want to wait until all out for Sheeta to take the championship. If I'm booking it in my head, I think Hikaru Sheeta and Nyla Rose at all out for the Women's World Championship, I think would be a fantastic match. I think that would be, and I think the buildup would be very significant for the women's division. Um, They still need a lot of help, but... Get Fit Finley in that bitch right the fuck now for the simple fact that he helped the AEW, the Women's Revolution over in WWE. Just putting that out there. Get Fit Finley right the fuck now. Um, sign him, sign him real quick because if you don't, homeboy, uh, y'all fucked up. Um, I would that personally, I would have honestly, if I had to do one, I would give it to Britt Baker, but I don't know if they want to do babyface, if they want to go babyface heel for this one. For me, Sheeta. Rose would be a tad bit too soon. Um, and I think they want to give Rose at least a decent championship run. Double or nothing would not be the the show I would have her take the championship at. I would do it at all out. And I would have Sheeta beat Rose, hopefully in front of a Rocket Chicago crowd, because that match deserves to be in front of a Rocket Chicago crowd. Um, because honestly, they deserve it. They really do deserve this. And, it deser- and Sheeta deserves to have her moment in front of, in a big stage, big moment, um, beating the Beast, 
and uh, the Native Beast and actually getting that big shine, shiny, one shining moment, as they would say during the NCAA tournament. Um, if I had to, I go Britt Baker here. I would have Britt Baker get the victory, somehow getting her revenge on Sheeta, her pinning Sheeta, and Baker getting the shot at Rose. Rose beats Baker, and then we can start building towards Sheeta becoming top contender again, and then her beating Rose at All Out for the Women's World Championship, where she makes a decent run with the title until at least maybe AEW Revolution in 2021 or Double or Nothing in 2021. You can figure out either way. Um, we're still building the division um, for the women, but I think right now they have a little something going. We'll figure it out from there, but I'm a little, I'm running a little longer on time than I thought I would, so let's get into the tag, the tag team street fight, and I'm not going to go too long with this because I just, I honestly don't need to. This match, a lot of people are saying on Twitter, were saying on Twitter last night, this was the greatest street fight I had ever seen. It's up there. It is up there. This tag team street fight main event, my fucking God. I need, man, listen. This car, this matchup, when they first announced it last week, my first thought was, they're going to go fucking bonkers. Second thought was, damn it, we're not going to get Chris Jericho on commentary. That sucks. But having Excalibur, Jim Ross, and Tony Schiavone there, that was cool. I mean, I mean, having them all three of them back at the table made me very happy. It felt like it was... This is how I felt. This felt like the first episode all over again to me. And I got chills just saying that. I honestly got super fucking chills. You know, just seeing that. And that says something. That says a lot. But... This tag, this street fight was probably, this was just amazing. It was, it was so much fun. It was just fantastic to watch the spots they had. Of course, the, you know, Matt Hardy going through the table off the top of the ladder, you know, Kenny Omega's insane moonsault off of the scissor lift. Yes, that is an actual term. Um, yeah, nasty. Um, here's, here's the one thing I want to get out of the way. If we ended the year right now, if if we just get past double or nothing and the year ended and we went into 2021, I'm going to go out on a limb here. If I had to choose an MVP at this very motherfucking moment, it wouldn't be Moxley. It wouldn't be Jericho. It wouldn't even be Cody. I would be handing this MVP to Sammy Guevara right now. And you might be perplexed and scratching your head like, wait, why the fuck would you give this to Sammy Guevara? He ain't done shit. He lost to Darby Allen at Revolution. Look at his performances, though. To me, most valuable player. It could be the superstar of the team. It could be. That's fine. 
But the way Sammy Guevara has been performing since the beginning of the year leading up to Revolution and throughout the entirety of 2020 so far in the first five months of the year, he has been one hell of a spotlight. And think about this. Since he's been in the inner circle, I'm sure Chris Jericho has been helping him. He's been definitely helping Sammy along in performance and how to really conduct himself. With a guy like Chris Jericho being a veteran of the game, I'm sure Guevara is learning so much. And it shows. It's been showing in his performances, his promos, the way he goes about himself in the ring. He's more of a prick. He's an asshole. You respect it. You love it. Even if you don't like the man because of his character, um, this guy goes. And that's why I said, on my Instagram, to which um, I never, I'm not going to say his name because he doesn't deserve the praise. Someone actually said, I am unintelligent because I had the audacity to say this episode fucks. And this episode did fuck hard. It was great. A great thing. Um, so that person is blocked because I have no time for stupidity. Um, you can call me unintelligent all you want, but I think the body of work that I have speaks for itself. So um, we won't address that anymore. Suck it, bro. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your two minutes of fame because then you just got blocked and I don't really give a shit about you. I don't even remember your Instagram handle. That's how much I just, that's how quick I blocked you. I just don't remember you. So we don't deal with, I just don't care. I don't deal with, you know, whatever. Call me unintelligent all you want. I don't care. Um, We can move on from that now. But this was just everything I needed a street. This was a fantastic main of fucking event. The cart, the golf cart. My God, the golf cart spot where Sammy Guevara literally sold the ever loving fuck out of that would probably give Dolph Ziggler a Woody. Again, this episode fucks. If you did not see Dynamite, first and foremost, why? Second and foremost, you must really hate AEW. And C, um, you need to watch this episode. Just strictly for the main event itself. You know, after Hardy got out of the ice chest that Hager and Jericho put him in, he gets in the golf cart and uses it to hurry after the fight. Omega gets the broom. He sideswiped uh, Jericho which was fucking hilarious. Sammy is like, oh, fuck. And that turned into the easiest meme of 2020. That turned into a quick fucking meme. And I'm sure that meme will be used. I will probably be using it because I got, I got the meme generator on my phone now. Um, this was one of the funniest moments of the whole night. And Sammy sold that shit like a god. Sold that like a champion. He's running away from it. And he couldn't get fast enough. So he the way he sold that was money. He sold that. Fuck. Oh my God. It was great. That was I was laughing. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Fucking dying. You know, in a street fight, it's legal. In regular shit, that would be considered vehicular manslaughter. Just saying, but this was just the way he, the way he sold that was just fucking money. 
All right. That's why right now, Sammy Guevara is my AEW MVP. Because he has been doing his, he has been putting on some of his best work. And again, you know, I could I could easily pick Jericho. I could easily pick Moxley. But Guevara has been doing, has been doing very well for himself. Which is why I was a huge, which I was, I was glad he was in the TNT Championship Tournament. Uh, but in a losing effort, unfortunately. But even in that match, he put on some of his best work. He has just gotten so much better throughout the entirety of 2020 so far that you have to give him respect and credit for the work he has put on. And I think that's a lot of attributed a lot of it to it from Chris Jericho. Now the ending it seemed um he was about to hit um Omega was gonna hit the one-winged angel on the turf that now mind you um TIAA Bank Stadium is actually connected to Daly's place obviously there in Jacksonville. So they took it to the turf there and he was about to hit the one-winged angel. Out comes Proud and Powerful, Santana Ortiz. Um, then it's a four and two onslaught. Um, they triple powerbomb Hardy all through the table. Um, then they didn't get Omega. They get him to the golf cart. They lift Omega on there. Omega gets bombed on the top of the golf cart, which had to fucking hurt. He drags Omega over the turf. They hold him up. Judas Effect, one, two, Three Le Sex Gods win, and the last thing you saw on AEW Dynamite is them standing on the turf just outside of CIAA Bank Stadium, and on their uh I guess I'll just call it a Titan Tron on their uh on their screen, you saw the inner circle logo with the words, This is our show right across. They all the uh, celebrating, they turn around, they see that. They throw up the middle finger, and that was the last of what you saw for this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. And, of course, I'm going to close my laptop, as, as tradition I do on this show. Place my phone on top, and we will end it like this. Dynamite fucks this week. They absolutely nailed this show. They, they did everything right with this show. There was not, I don't think there's a bad thing on this show that I could be mad at. There was nothing on this show that I could honestly be upset with. They did. That's, this is why they won the ratings matchup this week with NXT um, by a hundred, at least a hundred thousand viewers. They nailed every single point of the show. The set was great. Um, the, the matches were fucking great. Even with the squash matches, even with Cody and Joey Janela in the opening matchup, that matchup was kick-ass. Um, everything about this show, Spears promo, MJF's promo, Brandy's promo, um, the main event, of course, the tag team street fight, building towards AEW double or nothing in a proper fashion, getting the main event already in place. Now we can get that popping with that. They did everything right. They did. This was at one, without a doubt, one of the, their best episodes so far, if not the best episode. You know, I've said it at least two or three times that this is their best episode, and somehow, some way, they better themselves. I think with the live ep- the, them having a live episode this week, that I'm sure for a fact that they wanted to go all out and produce the best episode possible. Um, whether they're no, whether they can, I mean, yeah, I get it. They're competing with NXT, but they're in their own league right now. They're in their own game, and they did absolutely well for themselves. Um, they they produce a great show. And if Tony Khan wrote this shit, my dude, uh, cheers to you, bro. You absolutely nailed it with this show this week. Well done across the board. 
Couldn't be happier with it. A, a definite A plus show. Again, this is one of their best, like one of the best shows, if not the best show AEW Dynamite has put on. Period. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to conclude episode two hundred two of the YLP podcast, talking about Money in the Bank preview and predictions and AEW Dynamite. Of course, this another installment of Light the Fuse, and of always in proper YLP fashion. We're going to close it out in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 203 that will be coming this Monday on the YLP podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 202 of the YLP podcast, talking about money in the bank and AEW Dynamite. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly appreciate it. A couple of announcements we have to make here on the YLP Podcast. I know I'll give you the usual word of the world, but as of yesterday, yeah boy, the quiet riot, Mr. YLP himself has a merch store. Yes, 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 yes. Mr. YLP has a merch store on teespring.com slash the dash YLP dash collection. Of course, the link is in my Instagram, and I'll give you that at towards the end of the segment. Yes, you can get yourself some merch for men, women, kids. Because here at the YLP Podcast, we do love the kids. Um, also, you can get some accessories such as tapestries, beach towels, tote bags, and of course, my personal favorite, socks. Yes, YLP socks. Because trust me when I tell you, YLP the, the, the socks are clean as food. It is clean. So, yeah, you can get T-shirts, um, boyfriend tees. You can get um, hoodies. Get yourself you know, a crew neck shirt, which I call Carlton. Ladies, you know I got y'all. Leggings. Yes, ladies, if y'all love the workout or if you just want to show your booty off. Yes, Mr. YLP himself, uh, YLP himself um, wants to make sure you look good. In them joints uh, on the summertime. Trust me when I tell you, I think that when you go to the gym, uh, what better way than to not only look good, but also support WrestleX Radio at the same time, and of course the Wild Podcast with some fresh ass YLP leggings. Yes, ladies, you know I got y'all. Of course, I got the boyfriend tees for y'all. Um, hoodies, I got y'all too. Fellas, of course, y'all know it's guns out, sun's out season. Y'all know I had to get y'all right with the tees. Of course, classic regular tees. Tank tops, because we got to show the guns all summer. And I got all the products in a multitude of colors. You can get it in gold. You can get it in aqua. You can get it in mint. You can get them in black. Well, we don't got them in red, because trust me, I'm going to tell you, we saw the lettering. It ain't clean. Um, yes, but like I said, we got a merch store now. Um, along with, of course, Kate, she has the, uh, the HBIC collection. We also have the Fretzel Mania collection, the Game Changer collection, and of course, the King Ricky Rose collection as well, the Kings of the Rings collection, as well as the original War collection, all under the War banner at 
teespring.com. Search for Wrestle Attic Radio. You can find all of our stores there. But of course, if you want to get yourself some, oh, I almost forgot. We got coffee mugs too in a multitude of colors. So if you are looking to support the YLP movement in another way, why not get yourself some merch and look clean this summer repping the YLP brand? I'm telling you, them joints all looks clean. Again, teespring.com slash the dash ylp dash collection trust me when i tell you i'm gonna get myself some merch very very soon because i support the not only the ylp movement but i also support the war collection as well as well make sure you support all of our uh merch stores over on teespring um sales have been doing well so far this week we have been killing it and we would love for you the listener support us as well and getting into uh supporting as well check out our patreon uh, we get patreon.com slash radio, And here's why I think it would be a very good incentive for you guys to join the Patreon, the Patreon uh, over on WrestleAddict Radio, I should say. If you join the Patreon for WrestleAddict Radio, you will get yourself a discount. That's right. I said it. You can get yourself a discount. Like I said, this is something in the works that we've been working on for some time. Um... It has been something I'm very proud of to be proud to be a part of, considering the fact that I've never had a merch store in my freaking life. Um, but yes, you can get yourself some dang merch, but you can get it at a wonderful, a little bit of a lower price. Um, it is fantastic. And let me make sure I can find the do 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 do. Let me see if it's right here. I think it's I hope it's I hope it's this one. So yes, yes, yes. And this is actually from uh our Russell Addict Radio Patreon, which I which of course, if you are part of Patreon already, you know this already. As some of you may already know, we have partnered with Teespring to bring you exclusive merchandise from every show on Wrestle Addict Radio, including some of its personalities. That one being me. We are continuing to add more and more products and exclusive collections for each show and personality. Here's where it gets good. As a Patreon member, you have the benefit of having an exclusive discount that only you can use on the store. This discount will get you 15% off any item that is available to be purchased. Use the code this 15 war at checkout to get your 15% discount. Now, mind you, this is only for Patreon members only. So if you are not a member of Patreon, the, the discount code will not work for you. But for my patrons out there, y'all already know, you've already gotten the announcement. Again, um, yes, if you are a part of the Patreon squadron, you get 15% discount at checkout. If you are a Patreon, of course, if you're not, Unfortunately, that will not work for you. I guarantee you, you go on there, you try that, you played yourself. So, if you want to get merch, of course, represent the movement, you can get that at a regular price. That's fine. The prices I have picked, prices I pick personally, I think are solid price points that you can get at a very wonderful price. And some of, and not all the items, but most of the items that I do have on my merch store can be shipped not only in the U.S., but also internationally. So, that is a big big thing there and that was one thing i always wanted to, i wanted to make sure we had that we can get it internationally so for my peoples out in the uk if you're in canada japan wherever you at if you want to represent the ylp movement and wrestle Addict radio itself you can get that john but if you are a patreon if you're a patron get that discount 50 percent discount at checkout using that code if you are not it ain't gonna work for you promise me when i tell you again this is just exclusively for patrons um 
and that might be a little bit of incentive if you want to get that 15% discount. Uh, Patreon.com slash WrestleAddictRadio. Check us out. Um, we do have some stuff coming on the way. I know Francis Faye 5 just came out. Um, we did an exclusive on the first look of the brand new merch stores. Um, recently, I believe recently, uh, the most recent um, one was the Faye 5 episode from Fretz. I'll be coming with something um, later on this month, so don't worry. Calm down, I got you. This another episode of the Secret Files will be coming out very soon in the month of May. So I wanted to get that out there as well. Now getting back into the swing of things, of course. If you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the YLP podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media: the Instagrams, the Facebook, the Twitters. Because in these wonderful uncertain times, unfortunately, not only can you be representing the YLP universe, but also representing Wrestle Addict Radio. Of War Nation, because not only are we the cure for the common wrestling podcast, but we are the alternative for professional wrestling podcast, and that we are here to stay. Now, I know most of y'all do not have the Anchor app, and that's perfectly fine with me. You know, a lot of people have separate apps that they use for their podcasting pleasures, and they do listen to a lot of podcasts. I hope you're enjoying ours as well. We appreciate your love and support. But you not but not only can you find the YLP podcast, the Kings of the Rings podcast, the Game Changer podcast, and of course the Delight Show with Matt Chappelle, which is a divine show, by the way, may I add, very very nice. Um, you can find all these podcasts across several different platforms, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Podcast at Player FM, and apparently we're on Podbean, which I think is a pretty fucking cool deal. Um, Castbox FM, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions Perspective, the Kings of the Rings podcast, the Game Changer podcast, and of course, the Delight Show with Man Chappelle. Across all these different platforms, you should have no problem finding us whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective podcast, you can go follow me over on my Twitter Suede Senator War. That's S U E D E S E N A T O R capital W capital A capital R. I do live tweeting for AEW Dynamite every Wednesday night for the most part. SmackDown Live every Friday, which is what I'll be doing by the time you listen to this. More than likely, I'll be live tweeting over there. So you can listen to this while watching SmackDown in the background and checking out my tweets. You can all do all that while becoming a member of Patreon or going in the Teespring store and checking out my collection. You're welcome, shameless plugs. Um, <laughs> I, of course, also do live tweeting for every WWE live pay-per-view, which I will be doing live tweeting for Money in the Bank on Sunday night, um, which is all that good stuff right there. I, every NXT and NXT UK TakeOver special, and I can't wait to get back into the swing of things with NXT UK when we get TakeOver in October. Every AEW live pay-per-view, and I will be live tweeting for AEW's Double or Nothing coming up in just a couple of weeks, and I'm very excited about that. And when we get back into the swing of things with New Japan Pro Wrestling, I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Um, I believe Best of the Super Juniors is pretty much bye-bye, which means... Please do not fuck me over and not give me Dominion. I need Dominion. It is the SummerSlam of New Japan. Do not... Fuck me over and not give us Dominion. Please, Japan, get it popping. Please kill this coronavirus so we can get Dominion and get New Japan for wrestling back in the swing of things. Because Daddy wants to talk about New Japan. Okay? I needs that. 
Plus, get it together. Okay. Excuse me. I'm a little bit burpy there. Mm. If you want to follow me, though, over on my Instagram, which is the mothership of everything that is the YLP universe and everything that goes with it. And thank you guys so much for getting me over to uh, over a thousand followers. I know I've said it a few times, but I can't thank you guys enough for getting me over a thousand followers on my Instagram. I know it's a, you know, to most people, that's a regular flex. Uh, If you're like an influencer and you're an IG thought, whatever. But for me personally, it's something that I really never thought about until it actually hit, which is very, very cool. Thank you guys so much for your continued love and support. Even if you're a bot, um, (laughs) you can follow me over there at young underscore lions underscore perspective memes, updates on shows, memes, um, in case you missed it, which I'm trying, like I said, I'm trying to get back, you know, into the IG game. I'm trying my best. Uh, of course, as, as a person who is essential worker, my focus mostly is on my job. So I try to get my, I'm trying to get my IG game up as best as I possibly can, but I thank you guys so much for keeping it over a thousand followers so far. Let's gun for 2000 and try to get that popping before the end of 2020s, shall we? So follow me. And of course, uh, before I get into the end of the spiel, um, the Teespring link is in my bio over on my Instagram. Please do click over there, support the movement, get yourself some merch and look fresh for the summer. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast. I ain't even looking at the judges. Fuck them. It's the end of the work week. Kiss my ass. <laughs> so coming this Monday, y'all know it is a pay-per-view weekend. <laughs> my goodness. Which means that this coming Monday, we get another installment of the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was WWE Money in the Bank. I'll be discussing the highlights, the lowlights, and the bullshit in between as we talk about what went down, what we're going down this Sunday night, Mother's Day of all days, actually, for Money in the Bank. Should be a good time. Hopefully, they don't give me a bad show because, God forbid, just getting over the stress of seven weeks of working and then having a mental, damn near a mental breakdown and then having to come back a few days later and having to damn near have a nervous breakdown because I have to have a possible aneurysm um, talking about uh, how much I hated Money in the Bank. Hopefully they give us a better show than what I'm hoping for. We'll see what happens with that. But yes, Monday 2.03 will be the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was WWE Money in the Bank. Other than that, guys, um, usually I come at y'all with a very positive message, of course, in these uncertain times. Um, yeah, I mean, this is Mother's Day weekend. I know usually a lot of people will be getting ready to go out. Uh, Mother's Day brunches, mimosas galore. Um, maybe going to the beach, you know, at least sending flowers. For me, fortunately, my mom don't want shit. Like, she's that type of woman. She is weird, but, you know, birthday, Christmas, Mother's Day, to her, is regular. To her, it's a regular day. Um, so, it's just, you know, just telling her Happy Mother's Day is more than enough for her. So, she's that kind of mom. And I can understand that. It's okay with me. Um, maybe I'll make her breakfast or something. Maybe we'll just shoot the shit. Who knows? But, on behalf of myself and, of course, my co-host, unofficial co-host, Marley My Doge. I want to wish all the mothers out there, of course, happy Mother's Day. Um, again, make sure you call your moms. Uh, I'll be calling, I'll be talking to my mom. I'll be talking to my sister. She is a mother of two as well. Uh, and my grandmother, I know she is at home. She is, you know, um, chilling. So we'll be, I'll be hitting her up. I'll be talking to her. I'll be giving her a call for Mother's Day. You know, hit up your moms. You know, make sure she's doing well, you know, with this coronavirus going on. And, uh, you know, if you got time, send her a present if you already have. If you haven't yet, you know, there, I'm sure there's, I think there's still time to get something. But, um, 
If you didn't, well, it'd be like that, and you can wait till next year. It's understandable. But yeah, other than that, guys, that's it for me. I'm going to get ready to, uh, well, at this very moment of recording, I got 10 minutes before SmackDown, so I'm going to take care of all that. Make sure we're good to go with that. Um, enjoy Money in the Bank as best as you possibly can, even though I have a strange feeling that it might suck. We'll figure out what happens from there. Other than that, guys, that's it. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Enjoy your weekend. Stay positive out there. Not like that. Stop it. Stop it. That's not funny. Um, you know, get some, you know, get some work in. Be productive. Do something, you know, that'll be positive for you in a longer term. Work out. Start that YouTube, Twitch channel, all that good stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And of course, get look at the merch store. Get yourself some merch. Get yourself some merch. Yeah, you never know. Why not give your mom? Some banging YLP merch. That'll come. It'll come later. But tell you, you know what? I got I got a Mother's Day present for you. It's not gonna come this Sunday, but I got you coming towards the end of the month. Trust me when I tell you, she'll love it. Other than that, guys, enjoy the rest of your Friday night. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and I'll see you guys right back here for episode two hundred three of the YLP podcast. See you.